Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 294 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, you mean the Carson Palmer episode? Carson Palmer, former USC quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, and then went on to a career in the NFL with the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Arizona Cardinals. And in his career, he managed to throw 294 touchdown passes, which is a goodly number. Perhaps an underrated quarterback in terms of his productivity. Never really had big winning seasons, though. He had four seasons where he won double digits but just couldn't seem to get his teams over the top. That's Carson Palmer. Refresh my memory. Is there a brother uh, that's an athlete as well? Or am I thinking the wrong guy? No, you're thinking of the wrong guy. You might be thinking of Jesse Palmer, who is... No relation? No relation. Oh, really? Okay. Carson Palmer really wasn't on my radar. Well, that's the thing. He just kind of, he was just kind of there in the NFL. Now, in college, you know, he he was part of kind of the early, he was the predecessor to Matt Leinart yes. in college yes. at USC and kind of the beginning of that golden era under Pete Carroll at USC. Uh, but in the NFL, it just never really clicked. Your wife uh, is a USC fan. Where does uh, Carson Palmer land in her uh, her all-time favorite is probably Rodney Pete because that takes her back to her youth. Um, she liked Matt Leinart. She was a big Matt Barkley fan. I think Carson Palmer would be kind of the next level down. Okay. But we'll find out after episode 294 runs. I can report back before 295. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Good! It's good! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! All right, let's get into college basketball. I watched this game last night. Good. I'm not a Michigan fan, but I'm a fan of the way this team plays. You have hit the nail on the head, my friend. I think a lot of us probably feel that way in the South Bend area. Yes, there are Michigan fans here. I, Coach Cody French, I know you're listening. Uh, but that said, you, you take a look at the way Jawan Howard has this team playing. And if you spend any time at all watching Michigan basketball, you can now appreciate the phrase, the extra pass, because you see it from them all the time, and it winds up getting wide-open shots for them, and it winds up executing the offense. They shoot the ball well. They they play physically, but not over-the-top physically, like another team that we'll talk about in a moment, and they get after it on defense. They got a young guy, uh, a little guy, who my son needed to see that last night. It's like, you don't have to be... Six foot ten to compete on this team. Oh gosh, no! And he ran the floor. I mean, he's in and out, weaving and wobbling. Yes, 
Uh, and you can just tell they've been playing together for a while. Does it feel like that? You know, actually, they haven't. They've they have a couple transfers in this year. That's that's that, good. That's the amazing Joe. part about what Jawan Howard has been able to do with this team is he's been able to blend it so quickly. And, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, which included a spot of time where they sat out for three three weeks, and they've really only had one bad half since that three weeks, and that was the first half that they played against Wisconsin. When they first came back, they didn't look like Michigan hat boys since that time, and they just embarrassed Iowa last night, 79-57 the final. Now, Iowa had C.J. Frederick is not full tilt. Uh, Connor McCaffrey got hurt during the game last night. That didn't help the Hawkeyes either. Luca Garza just did not look himself, and Luca Garza has had some huge games against Michigan in the past. They shut him down. I'll tell you what, this Hunter Dickinson kid that plays for Michigan, really, really good. And then Franz Wagner, the younger brother of Mo Wagner, who was drafted last year, had 21 points last night. Michigan, in my mind, playing as well as anybody in the nation. I know Gonzaga and Baylor are undefeated. But you tell me who's going to beat Michigan because they, they've been taking on all comers. Now, I'll, they play IU tomorrow down in Bloomington, and who knows, Indiana. <laughs> oh, boy. Who knows what Indiana's oh, going to do. Oh boy. But I'll say this. Indiana played Wednesday night, and I think Archie Miller's team just flat out quit. I th- And – to me, that's about the worst thing you can say about a team. The worst thing you can say about a team is they quit, that they did not compete. But convince me otherwise, anybody who watched that game against Rutgers the other night, that they played well. And so now Indiana has its back firmly against the wall. I mean, they're one game above 500, and here comes the number three team in the nation playing as well as anybody. Let me say two things about last night as well. Uh, number one, Dick Vitale, some of the commentary, I think it's run its course. Uh, making Fab Five references, just it didn't quite fit. Yeah. I, I got tired of that. And during halftime, I flipped over to the 76ers in Houston. What a sloppy bunch of guys compared to watching Michigan and Iowa. Mm-hmm. It was two, two, a tale of two different teams. There is no question that a good college game, in my mind, is far more entertaining than a bad NBA game. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, a good college game, and yes, there's probably more patterns run, and it's a little bit slower tempo than the NBA and things like that, but for me, that's that's kind of the sweet spot of basketball. Now, a really good NBA game with high-caliber players, which is why people love playoff basketball, because that's when you get that. Yes. That can be an entertaining watch. Uh, but for my money, the sweet spot of basketball is college basketball. And I love calling high school games. But at the college level, obviously you're getting a higher-caliber player than you have in most high school games. And you're... For the most part, you're getting higher caliber coaching, Indiana accepted. How about Michigan State? Wow. So I stay up and watch this game because I've got to send you in the sportscast in the morning. Michigan State is playing Ohio State. 
Now, if I just say those two teams, Michigan State and Ohio State, what kind of image do you get in your mind? I just think of I would think of a big a great battle in college basketball. Two of the the big powerhouse teams fighting each other. And would you think finesse or physical? That I don't know. You would say physical, and you still would have underrated what last night was. <laughs> last night was a full fledged battle royale down in the paint. And my goodness! Now I will say this: a week ago on the yak. I called out Michigan State for not being tough enough. They heard you, apparently. I don't know if they listened to the yak or not, (laughs) but Tom Izzo has certainly drilled into his team that they have to get tougher. And in the last two games they've played against Indiana and Ohio State, they've gone out and basically, I don't know if they've got the wrestling team playing basketball or what, but they are just trying to manhandle people. And... The officials last night let them. So you get to a couple situations, and it's always accentuated at the end of the game, but quite frankly, this went on from the opening whistle to the final horn. Um, You have a situation last night where Ohio State is down by two. They come down. They get the ball to Dwayne Washington Jr., and he's going in for a layup. Josh Lankford not only should have been called for the foul on the body bump, but the arms are not going straight up. They are coming out. They're doing what's called roofing, where your arms come at an angle out over the player. So he gets Dwayne Washington Jr. with the body. He gets Dwayne Washington Jr. with the arms. Nothing. No foul called. By the way, the game at the Breslin Center last night up in East Lansing. So... Nothing called. And Chris Holtman, who had already earned one technical for his disgust with the lack of officiating in the game, just goes berserk and gets his second technical, basically walks over, shakes Tom Izzo's hand, and leaves the court. Because the game game's over now. I mean, Michigan State's going to go shoot free throws, and that's that's the game. So... Kudos to Sparty. They have resurrected themselves and put themselves back into contention for the NCAA tournament. But, man, if you watch enough Big Ten games, consistency in officiating just seems to be lacking. Hmm. And Oh, so the other play at the end of the game, and the one that really set Holtman over the top, Michigan State wound up hitting only one of the free throws. So they're up by three. Ohio State, with 1.4 seconds left, has to throw the ball the length of the court and try to get off a three. As they're throwing the ball, the Michigan State player, there's, there's one Ohio State player and one Michigan State player down in the front court. You can tell, even from the high camera shot, that the Michigan State player basically has his arms wrapped around the Ohio State player. And so the ball goes down there, and it's like the you would have thought that the Ohio State player lost it in the lights or something. He can't move. And the ball goes off the bottom of the backboard, and it's out of bounds to the Spartans. And <laughs> nobody calls it. Nobody calls anything. 
So this is where people wonder about the consistency of Big Ten officiating, um, and it was on display last night. If you're uh, local in South Bend, you can hear Big Ten action tonight. Purdue and Penn State tip off at 7 o'clock on 103.1 Pulse FM. Boilermakers have been playing well as of late. Now, it's a road game. That's always a tough thing in the Big Ten, but this would be a another nice uh pebble to put in your or a nice arrow to put in your quiver i guess if you're matt painter to get a big 10 road win at penn state team where you should be able to win on the road and purdue right now a lot of bracketologists have them as a number five seed for the ncaa tournament i think that's about right five or six for the boilermakers would would probably be about where they belong right now okay I saw a great hype video online of Matty Westfeld uh, this morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, some a real nice little little sixty second highlight deal, and uh, a decent night for the Irish, huh? Decent night for the Irish and for Matty Westfeld, the freshman, seventeen points, eleven rebounds, younger sister of Cat Westfeld, and boy, she is uh, bearing the name with honor this season. I think there's without question she's been the best player on this Notre Dame women's team, and they got a. Hard-fought home victory last night, 72-64 over a, a a good, not a great, but a good Florida State team. So now the L. Ivy's team is 10-8 and eight overall. And if you're looking over the field of 64 for the NCAA Women's Tournament, maybe, maybe the Irish can make a case right now. They have to close out Sunday in the regular season with Louisville, who's one of the top five teams in the country, so that's not going to be easy. If you take a 10-9 and record in the ACC tournament, maybe you throw together a couple wins at the ACC tournament, take a loss down there, 12-10, and does that get you into the NCAA? Maybe this year it does, uh, considering that you really couldn't play much of a non-conference schedule and all these games are against ACC opponents. We'll see. I, still a couple weeks to, left to go before... That is decided. Big weekend for high school girls basketball. One of our local teams heading south. Let's go, Washington. Let's go, Washington Panthers. Corey, I've spent three weeks now around this team. Can't tell you how impressed I am with Steve Reynolds, the head coach, with his team. Uh, Just classy young women who are representing the city and especially a, a a part of town that gets a bad reputation, quite frankly, the west side of town. Uh, They're representing it extremely well, and you can't help but root for this team. Uh, Steve Reynolds, the head coach, has the chance to become the first African-American man to win a state title representing the city of South Bend, uh, or first African-American of any gender to win a state title representing the city of South Bend. Washington will play Silver Creek Saturday afternoon, 3.30. You can watch the game on TV 46. Silver Creek is ranked number one in the state. They are from Sellersburg, Indiana. It's about 12 miles from the Kentucky state line. And because Kentucky didn't have high school basketball until later in the year, um, some of the players came over and decided to transfer into Indiana, and they transferred into Silver Creek. So they have a young woman by the name of Marissa Gassaway, who is a walking double-double, terrific player, 
and Washington's going to have to keep her off the boards. But I will say this, Washington has a terrific height. Franny Galicia is 6'4". Mila Reynolds is 6'2". I believe her sister Amaya is 6'1". So this will be the tallest team I'm sure that Silver Creek has faced in the tournament. They're going to have the same problem with Washington, trying to keep them off the boards. And we'll see if they face the kind of speed that Washington has. Rashunda Jones has been terrific here in the tournament. She's been able to do a lot of penetration and get to the basket. Kamea Robinson, good defensive player. I think it's going to be a tightly contested game. This might be the best game of the four in the state finals this weekend, but I like Washington's chances. Panthers, Dragons, TV 46, Saturday at 3.30? 3.30. We will have all three of the state final games that are played on Saturday. We will not have the 2A game that's being played tonight on TV 46, but 11 a.m. on Saturday, Pioneer and Lagoti. Now, this is interesting. These These two schools have played now... This will be the third time they've played each other in 12 months for a state title. They played in last year's 1A state title game. They played in the 1A state volleyball championship this year. And now they'll play again in the 1A girls basketball championship this season. And then at 8 o'clock, we top off the night with Crown Point and Brownsburg. I saw Crown Point last week. If you didn't see the game Watch this one and watch Jessica Carruthers, the junior guard for Crown Point. She is a whirling dervish out there on the court. She is fun to watch. Tonight ends regular season for high school basketball in Indiana. Where are you going? Oh, we will be at the Big Barn on Bristol Street. I can smell popcorn already, Corey. It's Elkhart and Northwood at Northside Gym. A couple of teams that are young teams, and so they've been inconsistent, but both of them could make a lot of noise in their respective sectionals next week. Northwood plays in Class 3A. They have Cade Brenner, who is their leading scorer at about 18 points a game. He's only a sophomore. Ian Rash is their next leading scorer. He's only a sophomore. So Aaron Wolf's going to have some good teams here down the pike for the next two or three years. Northwood comes in on a three-game winning streak. They'll take on this Elkhart team that's been mercurial this year. 11-10 and 10 on the season, led by scorers Donovan Johnson and Malachi Emmons. Uh, Cameron Daniels has done a nice job in the backcourt this year. And w- when you look at Elkhart's record, it's not nearly as good as some of the other teams in their sectional, teams like Northridge and Warsaw. But you know what? Elkhart beat Northridge this year. They beat the Dunlin champs, Valparaiso, this year. They came within a point of Warsaw during the regular season. So don't count out Kyle Sears and the Lions come tournament time. Nice little pre-tourney test for both these teams tonight. Other games tonight to keep an eye on. I like the game over at Alumni Gym. You've got Mishawaka taking on St. Joe. Only about 885 coaching wins between the two coaches. Ron Heklinski, 420. Mark Johnson, 465. Of course, Mark Johnson has announced that he'll retire at the end of the season. Could be a big night for J.R. Konesny, too. The future Notre Dame star had his birthday yesterday. He's 11 points short of 600 for the season, Corey. Do you know the last St. Joe player that scored 600 points in the season? Of course you don't. It's Tom Abernathy who played on the undefeated 1976 Indiana team. Tom Abernathy graduated from St. Joe in 1972. So it's been 50 years since the St. Joe players scored 600 points in a season. JR should do that tonight. And then 
over in Rolling Prairie or New Carlisle, whichever you prefer. It's Adams and New Prairie. Adams trying to go to 21-1 and on the year, trying to wrap up two consecutive undefeated NIC seasons. Chad Johnston, their head coach, has now won seven Northern Indiana Conference titles. There's only three coaches who have won more. Doug Adams won 11 NIC titles while at Michigan City Elston. Dave Hadaway, the Adams legend, who the gym is named after, won nine. And then Dean Foster won nine between Elkhart Central and Penn. So Adams takes their show on the road to Rolling Prairie. New Prairie has already tied the school record for most wins in the season. They've won 16 this year. They've got kids like Braden Flagg and Ryland McBride who have had wonderful seasons. Mike Bauer doing a great coaching job over there. And New Prairie beat St. Joe this year at Rolling Prairie. So Adams has to be aware of that going in and take this game seriously. And then up in Michigan tonight, oh, Corey, it's the war on the shore over the Bears' den. Lakeshore coming in at 5-1. and They've got Grant Gondersick and T.J. Mitchell and J.J. Bushuk. They go over and take on the St. Joe Bears, who are 5-2, and two, started the season 5-0, and oh, have fallen on tough times, and I know you as a Lancer hope the tough times continue for the Bears. It should be great if we actually see that game, but we'll have to check in with our old pal Phil McDonald. He's probably calling that one. I am certain that Philip is calling that one. I, I chatted via text with Phil yesterday, and... He finally had a night off last night after about... Uh, <laughs> Do you know what to do with himself? <laughs> he, he, reacquainting. All right. Basketball last night, by the way, Marion, did they look good. They beat Michigan City Marquette 85-56. to They had four players in double figures. They are really on a roll entering the tournament. Very possible we'll have a Marion St. Joe rematch in the semifinals next Friday night. And if we do, we'll have that one for you on TV 46. Also last night, North Judson was a winner. And South Bend, Washington got a nice road win. Congratulations, Ryan Varga. Going down to Kokomo Memorial Gym. What a historic facility that is. And they beat the Wildcats with a K. 63-59. Washington playing Laporte tonight. Trying to get a little momentum before they go into the tournament. And maybe be a dark horse in their own sectional. Uh, Benton Harbor gets a win over Gull Lake, 60-59. What a game that was. I I didn't hear anything about it. Oh, they they get a last-second shot to beat Gull Lake. Uh, The Tigers are ranked number three in Division II. Corey Sterling, of course, everybody thought after Scooby Johnson graduated, this would be the time to try to get the Tigers, and the Tigers go, no. You don't come into Farnham and walk out with a W. It's just not done. Hey, before we jump into hockey, I'm washing the car yesterday. I do a quick check of tweets. Russell Wilson is a bear. Your thoughts? Oh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Now, Russell Wilson says yesterday that there are only four teams that he he wants to stay in Seattle, but if a trade must be done, he either wants to go to the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, or the Bears. Now, it's interesting because all four of those teams have kind of interesting quarterback situations right now. Cowboys have not made any kind of tender yet to Dak Prescott, so it could be a straight-up Dak Prescott for Russell Wilson trade if they wanted to do that. The Saints, Drew Brees, all indications are that he's going to retire, but he hasn't said that yet. So what's going to happen there? 
The Raiders, that could be another straight-up quarterback-for-quarterback trade. That could be Russell Wilson for Derek Carr. And then Russell Wilson for Mitch Trubisky. If you're a Bears fan, you say, sign me up! (laughs) Yeah, all four teams, he could step right in immediately and get to work. Yeah. Wow. But interesting that he would put the Bears on that list. And Tariq Cohen uh, (laughs) tweeted right at him. Right away after this came out from Adam Schefter and said, what's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right, hockey last night, Chuck Freebie. Hey, how about the Blackhawks? 9-2-1 and one in their last 12 games. Malcolm Subban gets the shutout last night. Patrick Kane with his 399th regular season goal. That was the go-ahead goal in the third period. And the Hawks beat Columbus by a count of 2 nothing. After that dreadful 0-3 start where we sat here languishing, saying, man, it's going to be a long season in Chicago. Now, it wasn't necessarily the most fun game to watch because it was, well, nothing-nothing after two periods. But the fact of the matter is the Hawks are playing really good hockey. And if you think back to those great teams that they had in the early teens from about 2010 to 2015, they had speed. They had skill, they had will, and they had killer instinct. Well, they've got some speed on this team. As long as you've got Kane and DeBrinket and Suter, you've got some skill. The will and the killer instinct were the things that were in question early in the year. They have blown seven third-period leads this year. But last night, they had a chance to put one away, and they did. And closing out a 12-day road trip with that kind of performance, that was impressive to see from the Hawks last night. So I think for the hockey faithful around here, you can wear a smile on this Friday because the Hawks are playing well. You can even wear a smile if you're a Red Wings fan today because they beat the Predators last night 5-2. Now, the rest of the season will probably wipe that smile off your face, but nevertheless, enjoy it. What's uh, happening on campus with Notre Dame football? Notre Dame football just got a commitment from a former Michigan player. He's a linebacker who started for the Wolverines at the end of last season. His name is Adam Shibley, and he is transferring to Notre Dame to pursue his master's degree in business, and he's going to walk on from Brian Kelly's team. So, you know, will he start here at linebacker? I don't know. The Irish have a little bit of depth at that position, actually but it doesn't hurt to increase the depth. And the fact that he could start at a major Division I team, even as poorly as Michigan played last year, um, certainly, you know, raises your eyebrow when you see that. And The people's eyebrow. Well, I don't know about that. You'd have to ask The Rock. Mm-hmm. Before we jump into underrated, overrated, you had an assignment. I did. Uh, there's no secret that Notre Dame basketball is... Not good. So just some sports yak speculation. Mm -hmm. Two guys talking, shooting the breeze. Yeah, I want to make it very clear. Mike Bray is still the head coach at the University of Notre Dame. Absolutely. And we have been given no indication that that's going to change. But if it were to change, who would you go out and get? Three names I asked asked for. Corey asked me for three names. Uh, The first name that came to mind is if you want to stay within the Notre Dame family, uh, you look at Martin Inglesby, who's out at Delaware. 
Okay. Because that follows the exact path that you went. You got Bray from Delaware 20 years ago. Martin Inglesby played for Bray. He's been able to get some head coaching experience out there with the Blue Hens. And you bring him back to campus. He's familiar with how things operate. He was an assistant here under Bray. You could go that route. Number two, and I... I don't think this one is plausible because he's currently coaching at his alma mater, but I really like the job Anthony Grant has done at Dayton. And, you know, Midwestern roots, uh, a school with a, a decent academic reputation. So it would be, and certainly a higher profile job at Notre Dame than what you have at Dayton. The third name that comes to mind is somebody that has some South Bend connections, uh, might be off a lot of people's radar. He's currently an assistant coach at Purdue, and his name is Micah Shrewsbury. At one time, Micah Shrewsbury was the head coach at IUSB. And then he wound up going to work for Brad Stevens and was on the bench with Stevens with the Boston Celtics. And left the NBA to come back to the college ranks, and he is currently what I would call the offensive assistant at Purdue. Matt Painter pretty much handles the defense, and Micah Shrewsbury pretty much handles the offense. A good recruiter, a good offensive mind, has some South Bend connections. I think you could do a lot worse than hiring Micah Shrewsbury. Yes, it would be his first college head coaching job. And you would be taking a chance there. But I'm I'm telling you right now, I think Micah Shrewsbury is the next hot commodity on the college coaching circuit. All right. Thank you very much, Chuck Freebie. Now, let's get to that point of the show that the music aficionados, devotees, and lovers enjoy. <laughs> it's called Overrated, Underrated. And I begin today with the Swedish supergroup known as ABBA. You can't deny... The th- this is textbook guilty pleasure music right here, and whether you're watching some Mamma Mia with your wife, or you catch a song on the radio, do you turn it away or do you go? I'll sit through three minutes of this Swedish supergroup. Their harmonies are delicacies. I don't know that I'd go underrated. I'd go down the middle. I don't reach for them any time at all. I don't own any ABBA records in the uh, man cave downstairs. No vinyl whatsoever. But I also don't run to the hills if I hear a song on the radio. So you're going... Down the middle. Yeah. I will say slightly underrated, only from the standpoint of, look, my in-laws are really into Mamma Mia. They think that's one of the great shows that there is, both stage and movie. And so they did... You know, they kind of did a deep dive into this and found out that this was kind of ABBA's plan all along as they were creating their songs to eventually make a musical Hmm. and to tell a story with the songs. To have that kind of vision. Yeah. Back when you're just getting started Mm -hmm. and to have that kind of vision and then to be able to put it out there and execute it. I give you five stars plus for that. Would I, they be considered disco? I think they they transcended. I think they started 
just pre-disco. Mm-hmm. They did some disco stuff, and then they were able to still thrive a little bit post-disco. Let me tell you this. Uh, underrated, overrated, Frida, one of the girls, mm-hmm. went off and did a solo record in the 80s. One of the most underrated 80s songs ever is I Know There's Something Going On by Oh yeah. Frida. Featuring drums and vocals of one Phil Collins. And when you hear that snare kick in, you know that you know that that's Phil Collins. <laughs> and I say put that snare back in music today because it is something to be reckoned with. All right. I love that song. Well, Phil Collins may be underrated as a drummer. Yeah, I because, would agree. Because we think of him for the vocals and everything. But mm-hmm. um, So I'm going underrated. You're going down the middle. Now we'll go a little more contemporary. Mr. Bruno Mars. I would say one of my favorite Super Bowl halftimes. Yeah. I would say uh, I don't think enough of the planet has seen him perform live like it shows. We are definitely between album cycles right now. Uh, I mean, he had a bona fide generational hit with Uptown Funk. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever met someone that was like, eh, that's okay. I think everybody from five to 500. It's a toe tapper. They love that one. I'll go underrated. Okay. Um, What's he done lately? I mean. We're between album cycles. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We're, we're waiting on whatever's next. That, that's the only thing that hold me back but Mm -hmm. i might agree with you there i i think underrated i've never seen him live in concert not sure i really have any desire to go see him live in concert but he i did see that super bowl halftime show and there's no question he's a showman yeah and i think he understands that as he's make his songs are not just to be heard on the radio but they're to be performed yeah. their performances well said and i appreciate that from an entertainer so mm-hmm. i'll i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one and i'll go underrated i'm gonna volley one back Please because do. it was on this day in 1939 this young man was born in arkansas we know him as the man in black i give you johnny cash let me tell you something about johnny cash i think vastly underrated because of I think he had the ability to cross genres. And one of my all-time favorite songs is Ring of Fire. And if you know Chuck Freebie at all, you know one of my dreams is to have the mariachi band from Ring of Fire just follow me around for a day. Mm -hmm. I will wear a black cape, (laughs) kind of like Johnny Cash, and I want to be followed by a mariachi band. That's what I want sometime in life. Follow-up question, four or five piece? Uh, four is fine. Four you know, is fine? Yeah, four is Or fine. quattro. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We can go quattro, we can go cinco, whatever it takes. Uh, but seriously, the terrific performer. And had a sense of humor about himself. Obviously overcame adversity. Um, his story is amazing. Body of work. And the body of oh, work is amazing. Goodness. I think I've told this story on Sportsiac. You'll have to go back in the archives. Probably like February 26th of last year. Oh, really? The uh, the Highwayman story where they're on stage for the HBO special. I tell you about the tour bus driver who used to be one of their stage managers, and Johnny was waving him up behind him while they were playing. Yes. 
And uh, he wasn't singing at the time, but he was singing one of the songs. This is live TV. And after about four of these, hey, come up here, the road manager got right up behind Johnny Cash. And he said, you see all these people out here? These people love me. And then he just went back to playing. <laughs> That's what Chuck does during those uh, timeout broadcasts on oh, TV. Yeah. He calls a little a little person over from the stands. He goes, you see all these people out here? These people love me. Except none of them at the game are paying any attention to me. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chuck, that about does it, I think. I think. That's all I've got to bring to the table. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss one of these episodes in case we slide one in on a random Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. We're sneaking up on 300. Yeah. I have a surprise for you. I look forward to it. It's been hard to keep it to myself. I, I wish I could do it right now. I'm saving it for 300. All right. Or Great. as I like to call it, 300. Or Gladiator. No, or that's, Gladiator. A different, no that's a whole different movie. <laughs> you're, you're way off now. I'm sorry. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luka, Carson Palmer. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.